Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. All right, hey, welcome. So good to uh, be here with y'all celebrating, you know, Vision Sunday and uh, just the good things that God's doing, eh? So good. I just want to uh, just point out a little bit of a change up in our region in regards to uh, our regional youth structure. So we're a New Life Church. Just if you don't know, you're here today. And there's about eight or nine New Life Churches. I should know um, that, but I can't remember. Uh, there's about nine churches, 10, 15 uh, there's a lot of churches in Canterbury here, and they have required a, um, some oversight from New Life, uh, a New Life Youth Director. I got there, and Jared's been um, looking after that role for the last seven years, and he has hung up the boots, and he has passed on the the torch to Mitch and Larissa, and just represented by Larissa today. So they are currently overseeing uh, the region of East. And it's really exciting. We're really excited for what you guys are going to bring into this flavor. And we want to honor you, Jared, for doing such an amazing job. Uh, Everything that you saw on that uh, Storm Camp video, yeah, uh, Jared was leading the movement at the time. And he really pioneered the Storm Camp initiative in uh, Canterbury. I tried to beforehand. um, And it was right around the earthquakes. And we had a really awkward time. And we had to change the camp. So I just called it Storm in a Teacup. And, and, and it was a little bit awkward, but people still came for a day. And, and that was awesome. Lives were impacted. All right. <laughs> and I want to pray for a, a couple, actually, that just are not here today. I just got a text from them saying um, that Kylie, this is Glenn and Kylie, they're a new couple, um, new to the faith, really, in many ways. And, and um, yeah, she's very unwell today. So I just thought it'd be cool to pray for them together as a family and just, yeah, release... God's healing and protection over them. So, yeah, Jesus, we just we just thank you that you are the God who heals, and and we thank you also for that picture of the of the well the what happened with the Roman centurion who came to you and and he just said just say the word and my servant will be healed. And so we just say yes to that kind of faith. We just say yes to divine healing over Kylie right now, God, that you would heal what needs to be healed in this moment and that she would have a quick recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's good. Woo! All right, let's just pray one more time for me and my, this message. Uh, it's, you know, I need all the help I can get, and, and Jesus is building his church. So, Jesus, I just pray today that, uh, you know, you say you're building your church and that you would that you will do only what you can do <laughs> in our hearts, in our lives today. God, that you'd hear what only you want us to hear, that we would be captivated by uh, what you want us to be captivated uh, by today. And we just pray, Father, that today your word and your spirit would change our hearts. You'd lift our vision, God, and you'd just, uh, just bless our world, God, so we can just continue to be the blessing that you've called us to be in Canterbury and North Canterbury and all that. Amen. Awesome. Matthew 28, I just want to just quickly go there. Jesus said these incredible words, they were kind of departing words as he framed like this, uh, his last uh, few days on earth. And and he said to the disciples, you know, it was a great commission. And and he said this, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. 
It was quite a big deal, you know. He, he, didn't, he didn't just say, well, just start here and just like just grow something a little bit and, and then see how that goes. He just dropped the big one and he said, hey, I, I, my vision is so big, big for this world, you know, that it's, that, that it's going to see nations transformed. And he said, go, go to all the nations and, and, and disciple, baptize, see that that nation is impacted. And I just want to remind you today that the message of Jesus Christ is not just a small message. It's not just a, a well, it's a change, you know, a personal change message, but it's a, a changing nation kind of message. And, and we live in a pretty intense climate, you know, in, in our day and age. And we can say, you know, well, in the good old days, you know, everyone would do this on Sunday and we come to church and you weren't allowed to go and shop and you had to do this and the things that are happening with the moral kind of situation and what's been voted in. And it's all this kind of bad stuff. And I just want to remind you today that actually the message to us is still the same, that, that Jesus still believes uh, today as he did all the way back then, that actually it's a message to change a nation. Come on. <laughs> I just want to invite you with that big thought today and then, then that we could actually be a part of that message to bring transformation. And I just want to go through uh, it's kind of four different characters in history uh, and, and just honor what happened, but just to remind us, you know, that actually God just uses ordinary people. He just wants to use everyone. He wants to use you this year, but this guy—he, I mean, you might not think he was—he was—he was extraordinary, but he was just a guy who loved Jesus. And I don't, have you anyone heard of John Wesley? He lived in the 1700s, and he uh, started the the Methodist Church movements. And he he took the words of Jesus to heart to go to the nations. He like he's like I'm gonna—that's mm, me—and and, and I've got a page from his diary because he was a, an overcomer. It says here, this is this is these are his words. Sunday uh, on May the fifth in the morning, uh, he preached at St Anne's, and and he was asked not to come back anymore. Uh, then uh, that night he, he preached at St John's, and the deacon says, "Get out and stay out." Then a week later on May the 12th, he preached at St. Jude's and he writes, I can't go back there either. And then uh, then the following week on May the 19th, he, he, um, he, he, he preached in St. Somebody Else's and, and uh, deacons called a special meeting and said, I, I couldn't return. Uh, and, and then that, uh, that night, yes, it was, he, he was uh, preaching on the street and he was kicked off the street following week, it doesn't get any better. He preached in a message. He was chased out of the meadow. Uh, sorry, he preached in a meadow, and he was chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. <laughs> the, man, I found this on Google. It's all true. And uh, seriously, is some li- I did some research. Uh, and Sunday, uh, the next week, June the 2nd, he, he preached out on the edge of town, and he was kicked off the highway then uh, that afternoon, he preached in a pasture, and 10,000 people came out to hear him. Whoa! That escalated quickly. <laughs> you know, and this is, this, this, I love this, because, you know, sometimes it seems that every step that we take is highlighting to us that we're just on the wrong path until that we see, you know, those steps that we were taking were the steps to our breakthrough. And for 53 years, John Wesley, he preached extensively up and down England, and he traveled so far on horseback, everyone say horseback, yeah, that his journeys equated to circling the earth 10 times. 
It's crazy on a horse. We complain about our commute. But anyway, um, and I love his mantra. It was this, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as, as long as ever you can. John Wesley. Come on. He had some things in order. And, uh, and he created an awareness that the, the Christian faith should benefit public life and not just be a private system of personal values. That there be evidence to the world of what he believed. And when John Wesley, when he came onto the scene in history, uh, a large part of English society was actually in serious moral decline. And many commentators say that the English would experience a bloody revolution like the the French, but they credit John Wesley's expression of the gospel with preventing a disastrous civil revolt. It's awesome. So you may have heard of John Wesley, but let me introduce you to these two. This is Shifra and Puha. <laughs> Shifra and Puha. And I love, I used to love Puhas. Anyone remember those firecrackers? You just, that's what Guy Fox was all about. You'd get your little pack of red Puhas and you could blow things up. <laughs> so we had another firecracker here, and it was Puha. And um, the nation of Israel uh, apparently owes these ladies a debt of gratitude. They were two of the most, uh, they were two of the midwives, and they were most likely Egyptian, or there was some uncertainty around that. And they, these women were uh, assigned to attend the Israelite woman during childbirth for the years uh, building up to the exodus of Egypt. Where they, you know, all the Israelites were like, I'm out of here. And so they are they're, they're, they're there looking after birthing mums. And, and at that time, the Egyptians are feeling incredibly threatened and, and they feared the Israelites would, would actually take over the nation. So to limit their population growth, the, the, the Pharaoh, he gave the, uh, the midwives this really chilling order. And he said, hey, when you help the, the Hebrew woman at childbirth um, and, and observe them on the delivery stool, this is what it says, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. However, Puha feared God and so did her friend and they deliberately disobeyed Pharaoh's command. They delivered each tiny baby, the Bible says, with all the skill and ability they possessed. But, you know, news travels. And, and Pharaoh, he, he found out that they were being sneaky. And he asked them, why have you let the boys live? And, and this is where they just shine on the, on the pages because they told a fib. And they said, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. <laughs> So, man, I'm just like, there's, man, that's Old Testament saying that lying's okay. So, hey, if it's for a good cause, <laughs> no, maybe. These, <laughs> thank you, Jared. Uh, but I love it. The Bible says that God smiled on their courage and that he was kind to the midwives, and because they feared God, he gave them families of their own. Isn't that awesome? So these obscure women, they are remembered in history because they used the gift 
that they have as an expression of their courage. And, they, and that just shows us no matter what skill set we have, you know, just at the right time to bring liberation and freedom and hope and represent the kingdom, like we can show up. We could do something world-changing. Here's another world-changer here. His name's Nehemiah. We've all heard of Nehemiah, right? He lived around four, five hundred years before Christ. There's a whole book written about him. It's actually the last historical book written in the Old Testament when you're thinking chronologically. So he, it's, it's that story of, um, of, of him. He's given governance over Jerusalem. It's a city with broken walls that had been destroyed about 150 years. The walls had been destroyed about 150 years before Nehemiah showed up. And for about 75 years of the 150 years, there'd been attempts to rebuild the broken walls. But, you know, he came and he, and he looked at the mess. You know, he wasn't actually serving in that region, but he had a heart to go to this broken city. And, and, and what he saw, though, went beyond the rubble. He looked at the situation. He was like, I see what, you know, I see security. I see a community again. And, and he, he expressed this heart of God to restore cities. And he empowered, and I love his how, he, he empowered families and community groups to rebuild the wall. And, and every family unit was designated the responsibility to look after that piece of wall that they live closest to. And for those that were able, you know, got amongst the rubble, got amongst the, the broken bits of wall, and they all came together, and, and, and they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. It's crazy. Talk about escalation when actually there's momentum of unity. So, you know, you've heard of John Wesley. Now you've heard of Shifra and Puha and, and Nehemiah. And, you know, these guys are all pretty decent, courageous people, and they, you know, they express their unique gifts as required, but I just want to remind you is that, is that Jesus will take anyone. The gospel is not conditional. He can't help looking at humanity through the, the lens of hope. He takes people who are broken and perfect, who are completely on the wrong tangent, and, 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 and Jesus is like, just come and be in, included in my narrative of transformation. Come and be a part of, of the story. Do you ever like meet someone that you don't know if you're like a Christian, you don't think they are, and, and in your own head you're like, oh man, that'd make such a good Christian. Like my wife does this all the time. I just make such a good Christian. It's because she can see the gold in everyone. She's beautiful. But you know, imagine meeting Saul before he became Paul. This guy, he, the Bible says that he would oversee the killing of Christians, that he would go from town to town, breathing out murderous threats uh, and, and any, in regards to anyone who smelt like a Christian, anyone dressed like a Christian. I don't know. He just had his, his vision was locked on the death of Christians. And in the name of God, <laughs> he killed Christians. He was full of rage. He was, he was completely consumed with religion, just hell-bent on, on, on protecting everything, you know, that, that he held sacred to the law. But Jesus saw him and thought, oh man, you'd make such a lovely Christian. In the supermarket one day, you little rascal. 
you should write most of the New Testament for me. And, and you know, Jesus radically saves him and gives him a new name and, and a, a new identity and, and, and takes him on a, a process of transformation before he <laughs> releases him. And, 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 you know, he becomes a part of the church. And, and then his words have been speaking to the church for the last 2,000 odd years, you know, this guy who all he wanted to do was kill Christians. <laughs> like Jesus has got the last laugh here, right? Jesus is calling everyone to be a part of his church, of the body of Christ. He loves the church. It says this in Ephesians 5.23, and that he is the head of the church, that he is the chief cornerstone He is the Alpha, you know, and the Omega. And I just want to encourage you today that if you've got anything negative to say about the church, just go look in the mirror. And just remind yourself that when you joined the church, you became a contributor to its imperfections. I mean, let's get real. I'm not perfect. I made mistakes. I know you haven't. I'm not really talking to the person next to you. It's just, <laughs> it's true. And, and I know the church, like, let's frame it and, and be real. The church is, is responsible for a lot of, you know, crap, yep, and, and, and dumb stuff throughout history, and I'm not talking about not being objective um, and, and hiding our head in the sand if, if we make mistakes. But, you know, if you've got a problem with the church, just go see Jared. <laughs> or Debbie. <laughs> Have another look in the mirror. No. <laughs> I love you. I do. I really do. You know, despite the church, Jesus loves every kind of church. He loves Anglicans. He loves Methodists. He loves Catholics. I left left them out. He loves Presbyterians, Baptists. He loves the home church. He loves mega church. He loves cafe church. He loves Pentecostals. He loves traditional churches. He loves the church. And at this church, we will only speak well of the church. We're only going to celebrate the church, because Jesus gave his life for the church. And I just want to give you five dimensions that show us how Christ, you know, is the head of the church and how he has unlocked these dimensions to us. Because every time Jesus did something, he was intentional. He was unlocking someone. He was healing someone. He was restoring someone. He was guiding someone. He was empowering someone so that the church and the world could be transformed. You know this stuff. This is, this is foundational. Jesus was the ultimate teacher. Teacher. <laughs> John 7, 46. No one ever, it says, no one ever spoke the way this man does. You know, they were completely dumbfounded by his out-of-this-world insight. He stopped the bus. He was like, whoa, this is a, you know, a total mindset shift. The words that you're saying uh, speak to our culture, yet they call us beyond our current culture, our current normal zone. You know, in Matthew 7, 28, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. 
because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. You know, he spoke with authority. See, the teachers of the law, they were the Pharisees and the scribes. And the scribes were like the copy and replicate. They were like the photocopiers of, you know, 2,000 years ago. They just keep spitting out the content that had already been just inputted into them. But Jesus spoke with authority. He had this apostolic kind of, you know, not of this world mandate. When I say apostolic, I'm just meaning like leadership in a really spiro kind of word. But he was, he was speaking to uh, the people with authority, and the root word of authority is author. And, and I just want you to remind you that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, that He is the living Word of God, that, you know, in, in 1 John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So Jesus was the ultimate teacher. He was the ultimate prophet. In Hebrews 3, 3, Jesus has been, says He's been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. In Hebrews 1, 1, it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophet at many times in various ways, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. You know, when Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus and three of his friends, like that's a spiritual, like, whoa, the New Testament just got freaky moment. And and Moses and Elijah were like the greatest Old Testament prophets. And, and, and I think Peter pipes up and says, hey, do you want to? Do you want me to build you a tent for everyone to stay in? And, and, and the Father's voice comes from heaven and, and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so he's talking to everyone in that moment. He's saying that Jesus is actually the voice to be listened to, that the greatest prophets get told to, to listen to Jesus. Jesus is the, ultim, uh, the ultimate apostle. In Hebrews 1, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, you know, under his leadership, the disciples became world changers because of him as the apostle. And now there's about 2 billion Christians throughout the world. Jesus is the ultimate leader. Jesus is the ultimate pastor slash shepherd. In John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known uh, by my own as the father knows me. Even so, I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. You know, and we know no greater love um, is he other than he who lays his life down for another. And Jesus surrendered his life for humanity. He brought everyone near. He brought everyone close because he is the, the ultimate pastor shepherd. And then he was the most incredible evangelist. And, you know, we love a couple of stories here. He meets the woman at the well. She rocks up and she's like, I'm thirsty. And he's like, man, you aren't just thirsty. Your whole soul is dehydrated. Your life is shriveled up and you don't need this kind of water. You need living water. And then he just like brings a prophetic word and says, man, you've been looking for love in all the wrong places and spaces. And and she's like, bah! And, and then she receives Jesus and goes to a village and just starts spreading the, the message of love, the message of the gospel. Jesus meets, you know, a, a man fully demon-possessed. He's mentally ill. He's got supernatural strength, and Jesus meets him, and, and Jesus just tells all those demons where to go. And they, you know, they enter a whole herd of pigs, and, and, and it was the first time that deviled sausages ever happened, and they ran into the sea. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't. 
I know, and I hate that food. In Jesus' name, let it be gone from my house. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't come from just one country to the next. You know, like, yeah, I went to the South Island for a missionary trip. He came from heaven to earth. He came to seek and save, which was lost. Woo! This is Jesus. He's just being natural. He's just expressing himself in his divine nature. And then he says, hey, church, you're called to express that kind of stuff to the world. You're called to be the body of Christ. You're called to represent who I am collectively through your unity. And so Paul, this is Paul enters the scene here in Ephesians. This is the guy who was the Christian murderer, and he's writing this, and he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, employ you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humanity and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But each uh, one of us, grace has, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You know, he's just like, oh, you can have some of that goodness. Verse 11, and in he, Christ, this is Christ, gave some as apostles some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. Everyone say mature man or woman. (laughs) To the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He's got some big plans there, people. The fivefold ministry gift expression. Who's heard of the fivefold ministry gifts? Like, lift your hand. Yeah, you've heard of that. This was the pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, apostle. Thank you. Maybe I only got to four. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Paul is we're talking here, talking about. And they were five dimensions of who he was. And this fivefold ministry expression is given so that together, as a church, we would experience maturity and fullness in Christ. Without it, we're kind of a little limp, a little lame, a little disconnected, not reflecting the body of Christ. It says, Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. And this is Vision Sunday. And so this is our vision for the year. Our vision is to equip the saints. We're just like, we want to see you guys rise and be empowered. We want to see this church experience what it means to actually honor and, and flow in the fivefold. And we're on a journey with this. You know, I've got a confession to make. I can't do this church thing on my own. Deb and I can't do it together. You know, if you throw all our amazing staff and governance team in together, we can't do it on our own. Get the life group leaders. That's what we need. 
they can't do it on their own. Oh, we need some youth pastors and some children's pastors. That'll do it. They can't do it. They can't do it on their own. No. We need the body. We need us saints in the room. Like, we, we're, we're all saints here. We're, we're like, you know, you didn't have to rise someone from the dead to be qualified as a saint. Let's just, you know, and we'll talk a bit more about saints in the coming weeks and months. But I just want to put it out there today is that you're in the inner circle. When God looks at the body of Christ, he's not looking past you. He's looking at you and saying, come on. You're called to be an apostle to the marketplace. You know, you're called to bring leadership into that context of the world. You're called to, you know, speak life as a prophet. You're called to be the greatest encourager in your workplace and environment and and on Sundays here as well. You know, you're allowed to do that. You know, maybe you're called to shepherd and love people. You're called to go where people don't want to go and look after ones that no one's looking after. You're called to teach and release, you know, powerful truth with authority into people's lives, you're called as an evangelist. You know, maybe you're just like, I just got to get out and I got to see someone saved. I got to love someone into the kingdom or I've got to demonstrate God's powerful gift, you know, to see this person come free in some kind of radical way. It's not just for the, you know, for the, like we love this church and as an organization, we've got some wonderful things happening. We've got, you know, some cool structure and all that sort of thing. And you could just rock in here on a Sunday and just chill out because we're just taking care of it all, (laughs) you know. Oh, yeah. Just like at the movies. But without popcorn, that costs a lot of money. You know, the church is, you know, your, your spiritual destination is not just a Sunday meeting. It's called engagement with the, with the world, to go to the world, to be a part of the world. We're called to be unified and come into this picture of maturity. And it says, to the measure of the status of the fullness of Christ. And when you look at that, that word stature in the dictionary, it just simply said a person's natural height. It's not very exciting, but I want to tell you that Jesus is pretty awesome. He's got big vision and high hopes for his church, and he wants to grow his church up into its natural height which is, has got a great view, I tell you. It's got great, people see high things, you know. And the church is called to be noticed in this season. And it's his design that we need each other. You know, there's some great stories in the Bible, and we love reframing them on a Sunday morning. But, you know, no matter how many times you tell the story of David and Goliath, you kind of know what's going to happen. Goliath's going to get his head chopped off, and he's going to die. I know. Sorry, spoiler alert. Lazarus. What? Oh, he's back from the dead again. Oh, that's good, actually. You know, like some great stories in there, the heroes of old. But you know, it's our time to make, you know, our turn to make our place in history. This is our time. Let's just not be a church that's just satisfied to hear about the stories, someone else's stories. Like, let's just get courageous this year and step over the chicken line and do something out of the box. Everyone here at Thrive belongs in the story of how this region, how this neighborhood, how Christchurch, how our city was transformed with the love of Jesus Christ. And we've all got a part to play in that story. Everyone has got an expression. 
let's just not coast through 2020. Let's not leave 2020 in the same condition that we came into it. Man, if you want to frame this in one goal for yourself, I want to encourage you to grow. Just to grow. Do something. You know, God's all, he's always he's got the spirit of encouragement. He always wants to encourage us. But he also wants to mature us. We can sit back and receive an encouragement, but we've got to engage with the maturity process. So he's calling us to grow taller this year. You know, I want to encourage you. If there's a fear barrier that you need to break through this year, I want to encourage you to break through that fear barrier this year. Just want to finish with two goals as we look to, you know, we want to create a space where the saints can be equipped. You know, uh, the first one of two goals I want to share with you this morning is that we want to buy and renovate this building. That's what we want to do. We've been talking about it for a couple of years, but we believe that on a Sunday, if we throw another service in, if we do some pushing out to the road, if we do some pushing that way, we can actually double our capacity here on a Sunday as a, as a church. This isn't our ultimate destination, but this is a first step into a family home, like any, you know, first married couple do. Like, we can't get our dream home right now, but this is an amazing church facility with an incredible platform. We've still got some due diligence to perform before we can go, this is exactly <clears throat> hitting the button. But on the March the 22nd, uh, we're going to take up an, a, an expansion offering for that purpose, which we want to encourage you to get activated, asking God how you can be a part of that. The second uh, thing that we want to do is extend our borders. And we recognize this has really come from the Holy Spirit speaking with Deb and I, we recognize that God's enlarging our hearts for not just North Canterbury, but for our city. We believe that we're going to have an expression in our city at some stage. And last week, um, I met with a bunch of lead pastors and all that from around the city, and we just got so real and vulnerable. And people were crying and praying together, and we just had this incredible time of unity and of one heart believing that our city can be transformed. We want to make room for the harvest, and we want to run to the harvest this year. You know, it's cool. About 20 years ago, Pastor Leo Hansen, he leads Majestic Church. He came in and spoke uh, here one Sunday, and he spoke something prophetic out about this church. He said, we're a city church, which was like, random because we're a country town, sort of, we were especially country town back then. We're a city church that we carry the vision and the heart of a city church. So we kind of feel stirred to actually lean in and honor that word in this season and to be activated in that. So good. Hey, Debbie, I just want to invite you to just come up and share in closing. Um, we're just going to finish very soon, but we just want to stand up together and make a declaration as a church. So we do something different. might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask you just to join hands across this church right the way across. We're going to stand together in unity as a body of Christ and believe for some super cool things to be happening. So let's link up. If we can, you might need to move one way or the other to, to join up right the way across. Fantastic. And as we speak these things out this morning, I just encourage you to be in your spirit just saying, yes, I agree with that. Or you might want to yell out a big amen at the end. Actually, we might at the end, we might just give God another shout of victory as we agree together.
we are a church whose foundation is firmly on the love of God. A church that is all about loving God, being loved by Him, and loving each other and others well. We are a church, a body, who will express the heart of the Father to this world. We won't settle for anything less than the bigness of His love, the completeness of His freedom, the power of His healing, the fullness of His life being released through His people into this world. We are a church who stands together in unity as sons and daughters of God, knowing this identity and authority in Him, trampling on the plans of the enemy for this nation and upholding the plans of God for this nation, releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. We will, as a church, take our place in His story. If you agree, maybe you just want to clap or shout, Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.